Hey, what's up, Mets fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Mets Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Cutajar, and in this episode, we're diving into the Mets sweep of the Reds. All right, and welcome back to another series recap and review episode of the Mets Talk podcast. Like I just said, I'm your host, Greg Cutajar, and I can't wait to get back into talking about the New York Mets. So yesterday, the Mets finished off a series sweep of the Cincinnati Reds. It was just a really nice series. It was just a lot of complimentary baseball, good pitching, nice performances out of the bullpen, and the offense was rolling. So, you know, it was a really nice series. You love to see it. So in the first half, as usual, I'm going to break down each game looking at the pitching and hitting performances. And then in the second half, I want to take a look ahead at the tough stretch the Mets are about to dive into for the rest of the month of August. So I'm really excited to get into it. So let's Get started with game one. The Mets took this game five to one on the mound for the Mets was Chris Bassett, and he was excellent. I mean, he pitched eight innings, eight hits, one run that was not earned, one walk, eight strikeouts, a lot of eights in there. (laughs) But, you know, Chris Bassett has, you know, he went through a really, really tough stretch in June And he kind of worked his way back out of it. And this was one of his best starts that he's had all season. I mean, the fact he pitched 114 pitches, eight innings. And after the game, you know, he talked about how he's always going out there and willing to push himself. You know, he said, obviously, the the way the game kind of happens will determine how deep he'll, he'll be able to go, obviously. But, you know, he's always out there with that grinding mindset. And, you know, he did an excellent job in this game. He he had base runners on. I mean, I mentioned the eight hits and one walk, but did a great job working out of of those jams and keeping his pitch count low basically for the whole game. And then towards the end, that's where he really pushed it, got to that 114 pitch count. He was able to, to induce two different double plays. And like I said, his one run that he allowed was unearned. There was a receiving error by Alonzo at first base in the top of the fourth, with which technically prolonged the inning. And later in the inning, a run would score. So that made that an unearned run. And I mean, overall, Bassett was just excellent in this game. I Like I said, eight strikeouts. And what was huge, especially from this performance, was that the the bullpen and, I mean, the team itself, but, you know, the bullpen especially was just coming off of five games in four days. And, you know, as, as well as the starting pitching and bullpen pitching did in the series against the Braves, the bullpen was used a lot, especially the fact that they had a doubleheader, you know, in there with three other games surrounding it. So, you know, it was a a huge spot for Bassett to go out there and give the bullpen so much rest in this game. And frankly, I'm going to get into it. I feel like the starters did a great job overall in this series, giving the bullpen rest, but this was a huge start heading into this series for him to do that. And behind Chris Bassett, Adam Adovino came in, finished off the game. He pitched an inning, gave up one hit, no runs, one walk, one strikeout. He did have you know, a little bit of traffic on the bases, like I said, a hit and a walk, but he was able to work around that. He gave up a leadoff single and then two ground outs, which moved the, the original runner to the third, gave up a walk, but was able to get 
the final strikeout to end the game. Just a really nice job overall by this pitching staff. You know, just two guys working it through the game and getting it done. On the offensive side of the ball, the the Mets did a really nice job. I mean, they actually had less hits in this game than the Reds. The seven hits for the Mets to nine hits from the Reds. But they did what they needed to do, which has been huge this, this season. And like I was talking about last episode with the series against the Braves, the Mets were scoring in all parts of the game. They scored two runs in the first, one run in the third, and two runs in the eighth. You know, spreading it out, scoring all throughout the game, making sure to, you know, not take your foot off the gas, which has been something that, you know, we've seen the Mets struggle with. There, you know, there have been times where the Mets offense has had trouble this season, you know, putting up runs, but it was great to see them doing that in this game and frankly throughout this entire series. So the the top performers for the Mets in this game, Starling Marte had a huge game. He went two for four with two runs batted in. He crushed a homer. Daniel Vogelback went two for four driving in a run as well. And Tyler Naquin went one for three with a huge clutch RBI triple, two RBI triple. He drove in two runs with it, which added on insurance right at the end. The Mets got their scoring started with Marte's home run in the first inning. Nimmo got hit by a pitch, and Marte wasted no time. He crushed the ball, second pitch, to left field. Then in the third, a Vogelback single scored Lindor. Huge for the Mets there, and and in this situation, Lindor walked and then stole second base, setting up this run. You know, probably wouldn't have scored on the single if if not for stealing that base. So, you know, just an awesome job manufacturing runs there. And then, like I mentioned, in the eighth inning, Tyler Naquin with two outs after a Vogelback double and a McNeil hit by pitch. Two outs, Naquin tripled to deep right field. Awesome job there. Gave the Mets a 5-1 to one lead. You know, it had been 3-1, to one, and at that point, you were probably looking at the possibility of Edwin Diaz coming in in the next inning to finish off this game since it was a save situation. So by tripling there, you know, talked about the pitcher saving the bullpen, but by scoring five runs and and going up by four runs, you just protected Edwin Diaz. And, and since he had just pitched the day before, it was huge to not have to use him and to give him a day off and to give this bullpen some rest. So the Mets took game one, five to one, and they kept it going in game two where they won six to two. On the mound for the Mets was Carlos Carrasco. He did an awesome job, went six and two thirds innings, gave up seven hits, two runs, one walk, nine strikeouts. I mean, he was looking great. Carrasco was looking great. He was getting guys reaching for his sliders. He looked strong out there. And again, he, he, this is sort of something that I've mentioned time and time again, but when Carrasco's on, he's able to work around guys getting on. I mean, he's not someone who's not going to let any runners on. It seems like basically every inning with, with Carrasco, guys are getting on base and you know it that's fine if Carrasco's able to work out of it and it feels like every game where you know he's had a very solid game and you know Carrasco has been such a a, a great piece of this rotation this year but when he's on he's able to work out of those jams and when he's not we've seen he struggled to get out of those jams Carrasco had runners on for the first first four innings that he he faced the Reds and then in the fifth inning he really went out there and just shut them down three strikeouts in a row all of them coming on his breaking stuff two on the slider one on the curveball just just really really good pitches and really a nice job getting these guys reaching. I mean, two of those strikeouts, the the first one to Barrero and the last one to India came on three pitches. So, I mean, he just had his stuff working in this game. His only hiccup came in the seventh inning. He gave up a, a 
huge home run to to Jake Fraley, which, I mean, it was just a monster shot to right field. He was able to get a strikeout right away to make it two outs uh, with the next batter, but then two singles, and it was time to move on. But overall, I mean, just a great job by Carrasco. He was one out away from, from making it a seven-inning performance. Behind him, the bullpen did a really nice job, two and a third scoreless innings. Michael Givens came in to finish off that seventh inning for Carrasco, pitching a third of an inning. He gave up no hits, runs, or walks, and got a huge strikeout to get out of the jam on four pitches too, so a nice job by him. Behind Givens, Trevor May came in. He pitched an inning, gave up a hit, no runs, two walks, but he had three strikeouts, so he had runners on. He actually loaded the bases, and you know, in what was a somewhat tight game at that point, you know, six to two, the tying run was at the plate in this inning, but he did an excellent job working around that and getting the strikeout that he needed to, three strikeouts in the inning. Obviously, you'd like him to not uh, obviously put runners on, but I thought overall he did a really nice job working around that jam and getting the big strikeout right there in the eighth inning. And then finally, Seth Lugo came in. He pitched an inning, gave up no hits, runs, or walks, no strikeouts, but was able to finish off this game for the Mets 1-2-3. Exactly what you want to see from Lugo and for him to just finish off this game quickly and without really any drama or anything is exactly what you want from the back end of the bullpen. So overall, just a really nice job by the pitching staff. And offensively, the Mets did a really nice job in this game, just like in game one. Again, scoring throughout the game, scoring when they needed to, and and really doing what they've done. I mean, I know Gary talks a lot about it on the SMY broadcast, but, you know, battling back when, when the other team scores. So the top performers in this game, you had Francisco Lindor. He went one for four with two runs batted in. He hit a two-run homer to get the Mets started in this game. Darren Ruff had a really nice game as well with two hits, two for four with two runs batted in, and Jeff McNeil as well, two for four with two runs batted in, and a homer off of a lefty, something he hasn't done in three years. So just a, a, a really nice game by McNeil. The, like I said, the scoring started for the Mets in the third inning when Lindor crushed a two-run homer, putting the Mets up 2-0 quick. And right after that, in the fourth inning, McNeil led off the inning with a homer to right center field, a 410-foot shot. I mean, I was at this game, and, and Lindor hit that huge home run. It was awesome, put the Mets up 2 nothing, and then to go right back out there in the fourth inning and have McNeil crush a homer, put the Mets up 3 nothing. it was exciting because, you know, awesome to tackle on that extra run there, and was really nice to see McNeil get that homer off of a lefty, which he, he clearly has struggled a little bit with over the past couple of seasons. And then... McNeil came right back in the sixth inning, scoring another run with a single. Darren Ruff hit a double, and McNeil drove him home. And then, like I mentioned, after after the Mets gave up two runs in the seventh inning, it was a 4-2 to game, pretty close game. But in the bottom of the seventh, they battled right back after a Nito single, a Canna hit by pitch, and then three batters later with two outs uh, and Alonzo intentional walk. It brought Darren Ruff up to the plate against a righty pitcher, which... You know, that has, has not been Ruff's strong suit this season. And, you know, as I talked about, you know, breaking down the trade deadline, obviously Ruff was brought in to face lefties while Vogelback and Naquin were brought in to face righties. But Ruff was left in in this spot and he singled a nice single right up the middle to right center field, drove home two runs, two insurance runs, getting those two runs that the Mets lost in the top of the seventh right back. I mean, it just shows their perseverance and their their drive throughout the entire game. They're not giving up. 
even if they have a lead, they're not kind of letting up after, you know, being up four to two, not saying, ah, you know, it's the seventh inning. All right, we're up four to two. We're just going to have to hold this for the next couple of innings. They went out there right in the bottom of the seventh and got those runs right back. So an awesome job there. Awesome job by Ruff and just an awesome job by this team as a whole. And then finally, moving on to Game 3, the Mets won this game big, 10-2. On the mound for the Mets was Taiwan Walker. He pitched six innings, gave up five hits, two runs, three walks, five strikeouts. He did an awesome job in this game, bouncing back from his really rough start against the Braves last week. You know, for him to come back out here in this game and, you know, pitch six really strong innings, I mean, just two earned runs in six innings, it's exactly what you want to see. I mean, he was punching that ball in there. He was really attacking the hitters, which I liked. He got through the first inning on six pitches and just really was was letting the Reds do the work for him. Obviously, he had a little bit of trouble letting the two-run score in the fourth inning, but overall, just a really solid day from Walker. Behind him, Seth Lugo came in uh, back-to-back days, which is something that he's he struggled with at times, but he had a nice inning. Pitched one inning, gave up one hit, no runs, no walks, and had a strikeout. After Lugo, Trevor Williams came in. He pitched an inning as well, gave up no hits or runs, gave up one walk, and had no strikeouts. And then finally, Adonis Medina put the finishing touches on this game, pitching an inning with no hits, runs, or walks, and a strikeout to end it. I mean, this bullpen, like I said, basically in this series, the Mets used six different bullpen arms. I mean, Lugo pitched two different games, but six different bullpen arms through these three games. I mean, that is huge. That's preserving the pen. Diaz didn't have to pitch after, you know, being worked really hard throughout uh, the the Brave series. And, you know, in this game, especially all of these guys had pretty much quick, fairly easy innings. I mean, Lugo pitched 12 pitches, Williams 10 pitches, and Medina 8 pitches. So, I mean, just that's huge for this bullpen, huge for this team. I mean, especially in a stretch run, you want to make sure you're preserving the pen and making sure that everyone is is getting the rest that they need. So, you know, you love when you're able to just have three quick innings by by your bullpen. And also you love when they go out there and, and throw three scoreless innings with only two base runners allowed. I mean, one hit and one walk. So just an awesome job by the pitching staff in the series as a whole. And in this game, they did a great job as well. Turning to the offense, the Mets had a huge game on offense in this one. They totaled 13 hits, and everybody in the starting lineup got on base. There was a bunch of guys who came through in this game. Francisco Lindor had a huge game. He went 2-for-3 with two runs batted in. He was also hit by a pitch and walked, so he was on base four different times in this game. Pete Alonso went 3-for-5 with a run batted in. Vogelback went 2-for-5 with three runs batted in. McNeil went 1-for-3 and drove in two runs. Tyler Naquin went 2-for-4. He drove in a run and had a home run. Luis Guillorme went two for four. James McCann went one for four. You know, everyone was getting in on this game. Everyone was was joining in offensively. And that's exactly what you like to see. You love seeing guys, you know, spread the love. You know, as much as it is fun when one guy has a huge game, and obviously that happens. That's 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 baseball. But you know, you love when everyone is a part of it and everyone's contributing. The Mets jumped ahead early in this game in the bottom of the first, and Alonzo single scored Nimmo, and then a McNeil sacrifice fly scored Lindor, which was a, a, a pretty important run because it tied the Mets' record for consecutive games with a run scored. Lindor matches David Wright in 2008 with 13 games in a row. So just a really awesome job there by Lindor. I mean, it speaks to how productive and how how 
integral he's been in all of these runs scoring, getting on base, and, you know, making things happen. And then, in the bottom of the second, Lindor single to left, scoring Guillaume and McCann, and that was another huge moment for Lindor, as he tied Jose Reyes for the most runs batted in in a season by a Mets shortstop with 81, and, and you know, we're at uh, August 11th. I mean, this game happened yesterday, so August 11th, if all things, you know, go well from here on out. I mean, Lindor should crush that record. So just an awesome job by Lindor, especially, you know, with the season he had last year, the struggles he had, you know, first time in in the season. I also want to mention uh, in the game two, when he hit his home run, 20 home runs he, he now has on the year. He's now the first Mets shortstop to hit 20 home runs in back-to-back seasons. So, you know, with the struggles he had last year, which, I mean, 20 home runs last season, that's still incredibly productive. For him to go out there this year and, you know, to score 13 games in a row and drive in 81 runs to this point, I mean, that's just huge, and it's been huge for this team. So, you know, I just want to shout out Lindor, give him the love and praise he deserves because he's been playing so well, and it's been so huge for this team. After Lindor there in that second inning, the Mets didn't stop there. Vogelback singled, scoring Lindor which put the Mets up 5-0 very early, just in the second inning. Mets continued in the bottom of the third with Tyler Naquin crushing a homer 439 feet to right field against his former team, put the Mets up 6-0, and the Mets, I mean, they kept they kept adding on, and that's what's important. In the fifth, Guillaume reached on an infield single, and then on the throw, there was an error which allowed Naquin to score, putting the Mets up 7-2 at that point. And then finally, in the sixth, the Mets finished off their scoring with a Vogelback double, which scored two runs, and then a McNeil double, which scored Vogelback. So, you know, the Mets went up 10-2 at that point. That was the final score. You know, again, continuing scoring, guys adding on, not letting up no matter the score, no matter how big the deficit is. You always want to be adding on, and that's exactly what the Mets did in this game and what they did throughout this whole series. And it ended with three wins for the Mets and just a really great job by this team. So now that I've gone over these three games from this Red Series, I want to take a quick break. And when I get back, I want to dive into the Mets' upcoming schedule because things definitely get tougher and it's going to be an important stretch of the season for the Mets. All right, and welcome back. So now that I've gone over these three games against the Reds, I want to dive into the Mets' upcoming schedule because they definitely have a tough rest of August. And, you know, as well as they've been playing, and I I do want to say, I mean, the Mets have been playing incredibly well, probably the best that they've looked all season. They've won 15 of their last 17 you know, this run really speaks to the Mets going out there, grinding, no matter who the opponent is each day, because frankly, it doesn't matter. They're all major league teams, and, you know, any given day, any team can win. So, you know, I just want to shout out the Mets for for doing such a great job over this stretch, but, you know, their work is really going to be cut out for them over this next month. So, looking at the rest of this month, the Mets have seven games against the Phillies, four games against the Braves, two against the Yankees, four against the Rockies, and then three against the Dodgers. So, you know, all told, their opponents for the next 20 games have a combined win percentage of 583, which, you know, I mean, that's really good. That's that's tough. And that's even including Colorado, who currently has a 49-64 and 64 record. So, you know, 15 games under 500, that's included in that 583 mark. I'm 
if you were to remove that, obviously, the, the number will go way up there. So, you know, just looking at each of these opponents, it's it's going to be a tough stretch. It's not going to be easy by any means. The Phillies specifically coming into town tomorrow night, and the Mets also play them next weekend for a four-game set with a doubleheader in there. I mean, they've been playing incredibly well, frankly, since the last time the Mets saw them. That same week that the Mets swept them at home, I believe it was Memorial Day weekend, but right there at the end of May, that was the same week that the Phillies moved on from Joe Girardi, moved on to Rob Thompson, and the team has been playing great ever since. The offense has looked great. Guys who who were struggling in the beginning of the season, Romuto, Schwarber, Bohm, have really hit their stride. And even in the absence of Bryce Harper, they lost him around the end of June to a broken finger. And even without Bryce Harper, they've been playing at a great level. And they are in the midst of such a hot streak right now. They're 9-1 over their last 10 games. They just came off of a four-game sweep of the Nationals last weekend and so far have taken two of three from the Marlins. So... I mean, they're playing at a high level, and it's not going to be an easy series for the Mets coming up this weekend, but also next week. It's not like it's just one series against the Phillies. They have seven more games, but those are the seven final games against Philadelphia. The Mets then have to go next week and play four more games against Atlanta. We know all about the Braves. The Mets just finished playing against them, a big five-game series, and we know they've been playing great ball over the past couple of months as well. While... You know, the Mets went and took four games out of five against the Braves. There's no reason to overlook this team. There's no reason to say, huh, you know, we beat them. We beat four out of five, you know. As good as the Mets looked in that series, and the Mets really played nice baseball there, the Braves are a dangerous team, and, and these four games are in Truist Park, so, so you know, they're not at home. They're, they're away games, and the Braves hit a lot of home runs. They've got good pitching. This is going to be, you know, a tough four-game stretch against Atlanta, and another big four-game stretch because, you know, as much as the Mets, you know, added on in terms of, of a division lead when they played the Braves— a tough series against them can can negate all of that. So, you know, it's a big four-game set coming up next week from Monday to Thursday. After that series and, and then the, the second Philly series next weekend, the Mets play the Yankees for a two-game set in the Bronx. Currently, the Yankees are really going through a tough stretch. They just lost two of three to the Mariners, who are playing really well. I mean, that's not, you know, like a like a a team that the Yankees were expected to just roll over but you know the the Yankees have had a, a rough stretch they are 2 and 8 in their last 10 games they've really been just having a a tough time recently but i mean the Mets know from playing them they're not an easy team at all i mean they're one of the best teams still even with that tough stretch in the league they're always going to play the Mets tough because of the Subway Series and especially being in the Bronx. That's not going to make things any easier. They've got good pitching, you know, with Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez, and they, they just acquired Frankie Montas as well. So, you know, they, they've improved their rotation and, you know, they've got Aaron Judge and uh, Stanton might be back for them at that point. They've got a high-powered offense which the Mets definitely saw on full display in those those Subway Series games. But, you know, just a tough, tough series there. After the Yankees, the Mets have four against the Rockies, which which is really the, the easiest team they're going to be facing in this stretch. But as I've said with the National Series and the Red Series, it's like these teams that may not be, you know, 
fighting for a postseason spot this year, might be having a tough year. You can never go into those series thinking, oh, easier team, because it's not. I mean, the Rockies blew the Mets out earlier this season in Colorado. So, you know, as much as that may be a somewhat, you know, easier series than these other teams in this next stretch, it's not an easy series at all. So, that's the second to last series. And then the Dodgers are the final set that the Mets play. It's three games. Technically, one of these games is in September, but, you know, they've emerged as the best team in baseball. They are incredibly hot right now. I mean, they've won 10 in a row. They're leading MLB in wins. They have a 700 winning percentage. They are 77 and 33, which is insane. This was sort of expected going into the year, considering the team that the, the Dodgers have. I mean, the Mets faced them and saw how just how good this lineup is, you know, featuring Trey Turner and Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. And, you know, that's just three guys that lineup runs deep, one through nine. The Mets know that very well from their time playing them in Los Angeles, where the Mets did get a split. So, you know, it's a three-game set this time, at least a, a shorter series, but definitely not any easier. They've gotten some of their pitching back as well. Andrew Heaney wasn't there when the Mets played them last time. So that's going to be a very tough end to a very tough stretch. But, you know, if the Mets keep going in and playing like they've been playing, if they keep, you know, just going in, focusing on not the team that they're playing, but themselves focusing on going out there and doing their best, having strong pitching, working pitchers right in the first inning. I mean, the Mets, you know, SNY broadcast talks about that every time. Working the pitchers in the first inning has been huge for the Mets and has allowed them to get to bullpens quick. And especially if you can do that in a game one of a series, that really gives you an advantage for the rest of the series since you've already made them tap into their bullpen. You know, that's that's really been a key to the Mets success and hopefully they keep that rolling, you know, up in these next 20 games. It's going to be a tough stretch, but if the Mets can keep their head down, do exactly what they've been doing, going in there, just looking to take series, not sweep series, but just take series, win each game, not let the past bother you and not let the future worry you. That's exactly what the Mets need to do. And I'm looking forward to this stretch because it's going to be a test and it's going to be some exciting baseball. So before we finish off this episode, I want to dive into the Mets' next series specifically, just taking a quick look at the matchups ahead against the Philadelphia Phillies, who are coming in to New York. On the mound for the Mets tomorrow night will be Max Scherzer going up against Ranger Suarez, who is 8-5 with a 3.68 ERA. Then on Saturday, it will be Jacob deGrom going up against Aaron Nola, who is 8-8 with a 3.17 ERA. And then finally on Sunday, it'll be Chris Bassett going up against Zach Wheeler, who is 11-5 with a 2.63 ERA. Like I just went through, I mean, the Phillies are playing extraordinary ball, and the Mets are facing their two best pitchers in Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler. Those are definitely going to be tough games. It's exciting to have Scherzer and DeGrom and Bassett all going this series, but you know it's definitely going to be a test for this Mets offense going up against those guys. They really need to jump on the Phillies early. They've got a great offense as well. The Phillies have a great offense. You know, I talked about that a lot in the beginning of the year. They've got guys who can crush baseballs and you know everyone as a whole not just the big bats has been playing really well so this is going to be a a test I mean the Mets haven't seen the Phillies now for about two months or so it's going to be a battle and I'm really excited to see how this series plays out 
So that is going to be all for this episode, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I love interacting with other Mets and baseball fans. And you can reach me at my Twitter, at PodMets. Tweet me your thoughts about the Mets, about baseball. I love talking about the sport. So I'd love to hear from you all on Twitter, at PodMets. Once again, thank you all so much for listening. And as always, let's go Mets.